Our scripture text today addresses the different roles in salvation history of the Jewish people on the one hand and the Gentiles or the non-Jewish peoples on the other. In our first reading and in our responsorial psalm, it's made clear that God from of old planned on saving not just the Jewish people, but also all the Gentiles. And so, in light of this divine promise, our gospel can seem a bit confusing. It seems like Jesus is saying he's only interested in ministering to the Jewish people and not the Gentiles. He says, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He even appears contemptuous of the Gentiles, calling them dogs. The confusion, though, is cleared up when we take this gospel passage and place it in the context of the entire Bible. When we do that, we come to see two distinct phases to Jesus' ministry, an earthly phase and a heavenly phase. In the earthly phase of his ministry, he was sent only to the Jewish people. Unfortunately, on the whole, they rejected him. This rejection, though, would set in motion a second phase of his ministry. After his death, Jesus rose again and ascended into heaven from where he began the heavenly phase of his ministry, the phase in which he would focus on bringing salvation to the Gentiles, doing this through the preaching of the apostles and the apostolic church. And this is what St. Paul is talking about in today's second reading. Paul says that the Gentiles have now received mercy because of the Jewish people's disobedience and that he has been chosen by God to be the apostle to the Gentiles. We might ask, though, so what happens to the Jewish people? If they rejected Christ, did Christ reject them? No, not at all. St. Paul teaches us that the gifts and the call of God are irrevocable. God will not ultimately reject the Jewish people. In fact, Paul says if rejection of the Jewish people is the reconciliation of the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? The implication here is that just before the resurrection of the dead at the end of the world, the Jewish people will be given the grace of conversion. And in fact, this has been a consistent teaching of the Catholic faith from time immemorial. Now, some Catholics today would probably be surprised to learn that this has always been part of the Catholic faith. Probably even more Catholics today would be hard-pressed to find any real significance or meaning to this teaching. The Jewish people are going to convert to the gospel before the second coming? Well, besides seeming pretty improbable, what does that future event have to do with our everyday lives here and now as baptized believers? To answer this question, let's reflect upon St. Paul's statement, the gifts and the call of God are irrevocable. Think about what that means. God has given the Jewish people a gift, and he's not taking it back. He's called them to be something special, and he's not changing his mind. But more than any other people group in the world, the Jewish people are unresponsive to the gospel. Is God worried? No. Not at all. Despite all appearances, we have the sure promise that they will at last believe in the gospel. No matter how hopeless they currently seem to be, God pursues them right until the end of history. But 
as it is for the Jewish people as a whole, so also it is for each baptized member of the church. Each of us has been baptized into the one holy Catholic and apostolic church. This is a gift. This is a calling. And because the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable, God will never give up on us. Just as out of love he pursues the Jewish people until the end of world history, so also out of love he pursues each one of us until the end of our personal histories. As long as there is breath in our lungs, he never gives up on us, but is determined to see us respond to his love. This gives us great hope for our friends and family, for whom we are praying, but who seem unresponsive to God's grace. I'm reminded of a story from the life of St. John Vianney, a simple French parish priest who lived in the 1800s. This story was recounted by an abbot of a monastery in the northeastern part of France. The abbot was traveling south to visit Ars, the little village that had become famous because of its pastor, St. John Vianney. The coach in which the abbot was traveling would pick up and drop off different passengers along its route. They all spoke of one thing, though, the reports of the miracles that were being worked by the parish priest of Ars. Seated beside the abbot was a woman dressed in black. She appeared to be in mourning, but she was listening with focused attention to the conversations about St. John Vianney. Just before the abbot was about to get off, the woman asked him, Monsignor Labbe, will you allow me to accompany you to ours? I may as well go there as elsewhere. I am traveling to distract my thoughts. The abbot allowed her to accompany him. When they reached ours, St. John Vianney had just finished his catechism class and was making his way to the confessional, which, as usual, was surrounded by hundreds of penitents. The abbot and the woman joined the crowd. St. John Vianney had no previous knowledge of either of them, but as he passed them by, he suddenly stopped, turned around, and looked the woman in the eyes, saying to her, He is saved! The woman was startled and taken aback. St. John Vianney repeated it, stressing each word. I tell you, he is saved. He is in purgatory, and you must pray for him. Between the bridge and the water, he had time to make an act of contrition. Our Blessed Lady obtained that grace for him. Remember the shrine that you put up in your room during the month of May? Your husband was a bad Catholic. He ridiculed the church and professed to have no religion. That, yes, that's true. But when you prayed before your shrine, he sometimes secretly joined in your prayers. And this merited for him the grace of repentance at the last moment. The woman spent the next few hours in solitude and prayer. Her appearance was changed. She was at peace. When the moment of departure came, she said to the abbot, The doctors told me I should travel for the sake of my health. In reality, I was in despair because of the death of my husband. Though he was baptized, he was an unbeliever. And my one object in life was to bring him back to God. I did not get the time, though. He committed suicide by drowning himself. 
I could only think of him as lost. Oh, were we never to meet again. Now, though, you heard what the curia of ours told me. Oh, Monsignor Lebay, between my husband's leap from the bridge and his plunge into the water, in those few seconds he was given the grace to make an act of contrition and so be saved. So I shall see him again in heaven. Monsignor, I cannot contain my joy. Yes, my brothers and sisters, the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. Never give up hope on a Catholic to who, to, who to all appearances has abandoned the faith. Never stop praying and don't pay attention to what your eyes see. Remember, there were two phases to Jesus' ministry. If at first Jesus did not pay attention to the Gentiles, it was all a matter of timing. He wasn't going to ignore them forever. It's like we see in her gospel. When Jesus appears at first to be ignoring the Gentile woman, she doesn't lose heart. She jokes with him because she senses that however rude he might appear, he's really just playing with her. She was right. Our Lord from the beginning knew he was going to answer her prayer. It was all just a matter of timing. He wanted to draw out of her an increase in humility and perseverance and desire and faith. So also, if our prayers for our loved ones seem to be going unanswered, don't give up. The Lord is delaying his response so that we grow in perseverance and faith. It's not over until it's over. If God can convert the Jewish people just before the end of the world, he can convert your loved one at the last minute. Just keep praying. And finally, if we should never give up hope when it comes to the conversion of our loved ones, we should never give up hope when it comes to our own conversion and salvation. Pope Francis has famously said, God does not tire of forgiving us. It's we who are tired of asking for forgiveness, but he never gets tired. So don't ever give up on yourself. God never gives up on you. His love will pursue you to the end. Never cease to pray for your own perseverance and salvation. Yes, indeed, the gifts and the call of God are irrevocable.